Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from uh, thunder and lightning and pouring rain, Cat Swamp Road. I didn't think it was supposed to do that, but uh, the old Davis Vantage View had the, bar- the barometer needle dropping. <laughs> Couldn't have been any more straight down before I started to record this show today, and I decided to wait a few minutes. Well, I probably waited about an hour or so because it was thunder and lightning and I didn't want the power to go off during the middle of a recording session. And I've never had that happen, so thank God. And I don't know, I, you know, a lot of these modern electronics, like this, I use a a roadcaster. That's what I do my shows with, a roadcaster. And that's from the road companies. If anybody wants to start a podcast, you could reach out to me and I'll tell you what equipment I have. And you could feel free to check that out. And I do the radio show and the podcast with this roadcaster. And it's a really nice piece of equipment. Had a number of updates on it. They keep coming out with different firmwares. But anyway, uh, you know, with all of these electronics today, lots of times they don't like to be power surged. And uh, would a power go off in the middle of them or what have you? I know my electric garage doesn't like that. It's got a, uh, it's a genie intelli- IntelliCode, I think they call it IntelliCode. It's about 20, well, more than 20 years old now. And uh, lots of times you have to, you know, genie people tell you that, well, if you unplug it for 10 seconds or something, it'll power down. Well, that ain't the case. So uh, sometimes when it gets, when it gets uh, off kilter there from power surges, you got to unplug it for about a half hour and then let it reboot up and reteach itself. So anyway... So we had a uh, pretty bad storm come through here the other day. We got 0.76 inches of rain, but it's been warm. And uh, so the cover crop is doing beautifully here. And uh, sadly, you know, it's like anything in life. And I, I have to, and I, I truly have to apologize to a good portion of the audience because here it is, here it is I, I'm talking about the rain we had the other day and I just noticed so many places and please note that I'm just giving you an update here because I know farmers like updates but there's so many places through the western United States and uh, through Canada that are so terribly terribly dry and it's just horrific and I know that they're having uh a lot of guys are going to have a selling off cattle, but there's no grass for them. There's no, it's just, it's just a disaster. I mean, then they've come, they've come off of a few, a few bad years of drought and dry conditions. So it's not good. It's not good. So when I'm telling you about the rain over here, please forgive me because it's not something that, uh, I, I know in life with anything, right? If you're, uh, that you become sensitive to something that's that's a major that's a that is a problem in your life and that's just human nature i mean if you're not the i remember when i was single my uh my 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 best buddy gene worst he listens to the show and uh a real great guy and uh, his brother got married his brother's a couple of years younger than he is and i got invited to the wedding they lived in queens in new york which is about 70 miles here from the farm you go 10 or 20 miles east of here it's a completely different world we're like in a little hamlet but anyway uh, so i got invited to joey's wedding and uh, i wasn't dating anyone i didn't date anyone for a few years it was just in it was before i met my wife the girl the girl who became my wife now charlotte 
and um, they you know, they had the wedding thing. They put me they put me at a table, and they, they put me at a table with all these older people, and uh, you know there's a and they were of Italian descent, so you had all these old Italian women. Um, you're saying to me, "How come you don't have a girlfriend? How come you not married? How come you know this? How come you know that?" I mean, they're complete strangers, and uh, you know they're like hammering me, and uh, so so basically, in essence, I'm just using that as an analogy. I'm not laughing. But when, when there's something that's in your life that is a sticking point, and obviously out west, the idea of the lack of rain is certainly a sticking point. No one wants to hear that it's raining again here. So I apologize for that, and please know that my thoughts and prayers are with all of you out in the western states and the western Canadian prairies that have been so, so, so dry, so dry. But uh, on a different, more positive note, uh, I went this week and I was able to go out to uh, Binkley and Hearst in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And I met, um, I was able to meet a, a Glendon, Glendon Zimmerman and the, just a great guy. And he's a mechanic there. And I went to go see the 8S, Massey Ferguson 8S, and I got a chance to drive it. What a gorgeous tractor. And I'm going to be doing a uh, on the new series on my radio show, Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM. I'm going to be doing that new, that new uh, series called Getting to Know. And I'm going to um, do a segment on that Getting to Know um, Massey Ferguson 8S. And I got a ch- as I said, I got a chance to drive it. I got a lot of questions on it. But beautiful, beautiful machine, a gorgeous machine. And, uh, I mean, it, it's so complicated today that uh, with the transmissions, it's this this one had the dual clutch transmission. They also have a CVT. This one had a dual clutch, and there's so many buttons in there. And, and I mean, if you spend a day in it or four or five hours, you, you're you golden, right? But, you know, you get in there for the first time, you look like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, like they used to say in the East Coast, you yeah, chooch. Like, you don't even know what you're doing. I mean, I could step on the throttle, but that's about it, and turn the steering wheel. But, you know, there's so many gears, 28-speed transmission. Uh, you could go into manual mode where you shifted, or you could go into automatic mode. And uh, So, uh, I mean, you know, just a whole control console, but it, it becomes overwhelming if you're not familiar with it like anything else. But I had the representative with me in there, and he set everything up, and all I did was drive it, and uh, didn't drive it too long. I could have driven it much longer, but there were two or three other people that wanted to drive it that were potential purchasers. I'm not going to, I mean, it's a beautiful tractor, but that's too much too much tractor for my, for my operation. And, uh, but I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't mind if I ever retired getting a job on somebody's row crop operation and, and just driving their beautiful new $400,000 tractor all day long. That would be great, right? That's best. That's like having a friend with a boat. You get to go out in a boat and enjoy it and not have the payments. So uh, did that at Met Glendon, and uh, he is aspiring to uh, become an engineer, which I think is fantastic, and I I applaud him. And Glendon, if you're listening, you know, please pursue that. You're a, 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 you're a very smart you're a very intelligent young man with a uh, with a lot of ability and a lot of knowledge, and you put that mathematics and you put a little bit of science to it, and uh, you could become a wonderful have a wonderful wonderful career as an engineer, and and even and it could be in the agricultural community, it could be in anything, because machinery is machinery, right? So uh, if I can help you in any way, as I told you when I was there, I was sincere about that. I meant it. If I could help you and steer you in any way, I'll give you the best advice that I would if you were my brother 
that I never had. You ready? So uh, that is that. But you know what? Uh, two other quick things before we get into today's show, which is going to be a little bit of a different show. But when I was coming back from Binkley and Hearst to drive the 8S, and I got back on, and it's, I have to go west and south of here, then eventually I worked my way back to I-80. And I got on I-80, and I'm heading, um, it's only maybe like, at that particular point where I get off of I-80 onto uh, Route 33, it's maybe 30 miles from the farm. But anyway, so I got on I-80, I'm still in Pennsylvania, and I, I go to speed limit, I mean 65, 68 and that's what the speed limit is there anyway, 65. Everybody's running 75, 76 miles an hour. It's not really that busy there. But um, up in the left lane, I th- thought nothing of it. But a um, a Mustang, new Mustang Mach-E came up on me. And the Mach-E, as you know, is the electric. It's not really a Mustang. It's got a Mustang badge on it. But it's not a Mustang in the sense of the pony car. And he comes up on me. And uh, I would have to say that he's probably running about 75 75 76 maybe eight or nine miles an hour faster than i am he wasn't doing anything crazy right and uh it was a it was a benign color i don't remember what it was and it was road dirty what i call road dirty it looks like it's been on a on the road so like i said i thought nothing of it and uh he goes past me and i look and it's got michigan plates on it and i said to myself well, wow michigan plates and they were not m plates and in and in michigan they have what they call M plates, which are manufacturers' license plates. And other states have them too. Tennessee has them. New Jersey has them. California may have them. I'm sure some other, I'm sure many other states have them. And what a manufacturer's plate is, that the license plate itself is registered to the car manufacturer. So you can't you have to be a manufacturer. You can't be a car dealership. New York State doesn't have manufacturer's plates, though. The press cars that I get, if they're from the New York Zone office, have uh, dealer license plates on it. But the manufacturer's plate allows, a sort of, so let's say arguably it's registered to Ford. So Ford has these manufacturer's plates, so they're, they're not assigned to a VIN number, they're not assigned to anything. And it, it, it's just assigned to Ford Motor Company. And what that plate allows the car manufacturer to do is to put a a vehicle, any vehicle on the road, you put the license plate on it, it's legal to ride on the road. But more importantly, what it does is it allows them to drive a vehicle on the road that may not meet the federal emission standards or safety standards. So arguably, if they have a prototype car and they don't have the airbags in it, they don't have the catalytic converter on it, or they wanted to bring something over from Europe. And lots of times what they'll, what all the car companies will do, they'll bring cars over from Australia or from Japan or Italy or what have you, and they'll drive them here and uh, they'll put an M plate on it. So even though it's got a right-hand steering wheel and has doesn't meet our federal emission standards or federal safety standards, you're allowed to drive it on the road. So basically, it's like if you look at aviation, it's called ex- like they have experimental. So it's an experimental type of pl- plate in that sense. But anyway, you know, I kind of, when I saw, was a, I saw Michigan, I said, geez, it, it, it would, I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't an M plate. But I'm trying to figure out how the heck this guy drove from Michigan. And, the, you know, the reason why I said it was road dirty, it looked like it was on the road. And, uh, you know, you get that certain look on, you get a cup, some rainstorms, a little bit of, you know, mud on the fenders, what have you, and some dead bugs on the front. And uh, I said, how the heck did this guy drive this thing from Michigan? Because they don't have the range. 
And I know that Ford had a deal where they were going cross country with a Mustang Mach-E, but but they they had like a support vehicle and everything, which I did not see, and that would have had an M plate on it. So I don't know whether he drove it from Michigan and just kept stopping. It probably took him two days to get from Michigan, to get from Michigan here. Uh, but or maybe in retrospect, I was talking to my friend Bobby Ida, on the phone and tell him about it and then i was thinking so maybe the guy doesn't live in michigan anymore maybe uh he lives locally or maybe it's a company car not ford maybe it's xerox or something and they have them all registered in michigan and that would probably make more sense because those electric vehicles are certainly not driving from michigan to new jersey on one charge so uh that is you know that is the real deal no matter what and <laughs> interestingly enough uh when i was telling my friend bobby ida about it, he said yeah the customer is that that well i don't think it was i don't know somebody uh you know, bobby has a ford gt the supercar and this guy has some kind of uh a youtube channel and he wanted to film it and he has a tesla and he said he drove it to florida it took him a week from new jersey to get to florida because he had to stop charging it for so many hours and he couldn't go so far so i'm not laughing but i guess i am laughing but interestingly enough uh on the same note Ford is supposedly working with Purdue University to to develop this high speed charging system that will charge a battery in an electric vehicle in about the same time it would take to fill it with gasoline. And from what I can understand with that, part of the issue is that if you're pushing the electrons in so fast, is that it pr- produces a terrible amount of heat, or I shouldn't say terrible, extreme amount of heat. And I think, and don't hold me to this because I may be talking out of context, but they have to somehow not only cool the battery, those batteries do have cooling systems, but they actually have to cool the cable that is going and and connecting to the car. So that seems to be one of the issues. But from what I, from my electronics college days studying electrical engineering, is that when you charge something so fast, you also, uh, when you charge a battery so fast, you also end up... uh, decreasing its life cycle or its useful life and but maybe that's changing now who knows it's a different world maybe it's old world technology like breakup points what i'm talking about but who knows but i i don't think these electric cars are going to last so whatever but hey it's push it's pushing my ford stock up so that's good and the other thing also before i get going in today's show is that i found this video channel and it's called hot rod hoarders and uh the guy does a great job he does all this historic stuff and uh, a, re- a really really nice job and i watched a couple of them and uh he finds these cars and these people and it's it's a lot like my on the road podcast and in, in essence where it's the people story not the car story the car is a player is an actor and uh this hot rod this drag race car is a player or actor in the person's life the component of their life but it's a people story but anyway i guess he's got an old 77 nova and he did this segment the other day and i saw it and no disrespect i don't believe he listens to the show and if he does i i certainly mean no disrespect but the guy doesn't know how to start a car with a carburetor so he goes into the nova and i don't know what it's i don't know whether it's a six cylinder or eight cylinder i really couldn't tell because he killed the as soon as it started he um he you know changed the the i don't whatever he did he edited the video for no particular reason he moved on to the next scene 
But so he's in there and he pumps the gas a couple of times and then he's cranking and it doesn't start and he's whacking the gas pedal. And you can see it, he's showing the way he's filming, he's showing his foot whacking the gas pedal while, while he's cranking the car. And, and look, I'm not being a wise guy, and I, but I'm just, I'm just really surprised. And he's a younger guy, so that comes into play, but his father was a hot rodder supposedly and like i said no disrespect whatsoever i'm mean, gonna check out his channel it's hot rod hoarders great great stuff but i'm it never ceases to amaze me how many car people do not know how to start an engine with a carburetor and that was the impetus for me even to do that uh show i did a few weeks back on cold starting an engine so here it is a car guy a hot rod guy he's talking to you about drag racing about this and that and he doesn't and he does he's not familiar with he's never been educated on how to start a car with a carburetor so uh, i mean he's whacking that throttle to the floor every time he's whacking that throttle to the floor he's opening up the the, the, the throttle plates and it's just the, the signal to, to the booster to pull fuel completely goes away so it's not pulling any fuel and you know and uh and once you dip uh, so whatever i'm not going there but i never see never never ceases to amaze me how many people don't uh know how to start a engine with a carburetor and and car guys too i mean if it was a school teacher or something i can understand it but as a car guy and talking about the old muscle cars that you would think you know how to start it and like i say no disrespect whatsoever i don't even know the guy's name but there's a great job on his videos it's called hot rod hoarders on youtube you could check it out so all right now on today's show 20 minutes into it 17 minutes into it um what i want i'm going to do something different today <clears throat> and i uh excuse me i'm gonna have to clear my throat okay i'm back this throat is uh needs to be a hot needs to do something with it but anyway so i'm going to do it this show a little bit differently because this show the impetus for this episode of idle chatter is um a number of letters that i've gotten from from listeners i'm going to say readers i'm so used to readers listeners over the past couple of months and i got a number of them and i just i and i just picked three of them i'm not going to read them because they were basically in essence i'm going to paraphrase what the three of them said and one is from sam chilton in ohio the other is from george george i can't even read my writing here uh george summers like summer like summertime george summers in arizona and phil jacobs in south dakota now mr chilton has a ford <clears throat> power stroke diesel pickup truck and these are all newer newer vehicles i'm gonna have to clear my throat excuse me <coughs> and oh, excuse me and uh mr summers has a uh, duramax and mr jacobs from south dakota has a ram i still call him dodge cummins and they're all newer they're all uh they're all uh, within a year a couple of years old year or two old and basically in essence <clears throat> what they were asking me in the roundabout way is how did i feel about modifying those pickup trucks to make more power i mean you see i mean it's very easy to make more power with them and and also what the, what were my feelings on deleting the emission package 
And a lot of people, you know, brag about deleting the emission package. So that, in essence, is what the whole topic of today's show is going to be about. It's going to be, I'm going to share with you my thoughts. It's not gospel, all right? It's my thoughts about how, about deleting an emissions package on a newer pickup truck, diesel pickup truck and putting a tuner in it and modifying it to make more power so and now keep in mind that i am the hot rod farmer right and like that country song used to say i don't know who sung it but the country song about five six seven eight years maybe 10 years ago they can't be a girl too pretty or a car too fast right so as the hot rod farmer i agree with that can't be too pretty and a car girl can't be too pretty and a car can't be too fast or in this particular instance a pickup truck right can't be too fast so uh that is in essence what we're going to talk about and so this is going to be our special delivery segment and it's going to be collectively the whole show and then in essence i did not I'm, you know hey honesty is the best policy did not get a chance to make up a new toolbox test yet so we're going to refrain from having a toolbox test question even though i could go back to 21 tests but i wanted to have something new and hopefully god willing i could rest- i know i told you that last week that i was going to do it but it just uh, life gets in the way right so without any further ado babbling for 20 minutes here is that we're going to get into this all right so now, you know, as an engineer, as a person who, as, if you're an engineer, and, and I've noticed some engineers out there listening, and anything in life, all right, the thing is that if you're going to look at things realistically, you have to take your emotions out of it. So if you like, you know, you could, and there's certain, there's certain times in your life where you apply emotions, and certain times in your life where you, where your emotions are only one item in a checklist of things for you to make a decision, but as an engineer you look at things and you take your mo- you take your emotions out of it and you have to look at it look at it for what it is engineering wise so there's a couple of caveats that come into play here when you're talking about modifying a diesel pickup truck well the first thing is at what level of modification are you going to make and the second thing that gets a bacon and now the eggs are coming that the bacon and eggs are coming together is that what do you do with the vehicle so if so if you go and you say to me and i don't care whether it's a, a pickup truck or a, or a, a sedan a, a camry that you drive to work in all right which i never drive a camry i'm sure some of you out there are but anyway uh the thing is that there's a a golden rule within the hot rodding community your hot rod farmers is that you don't screw with the car you need to go to work or the vehicle you need to make your living with so in essence you you leave that as stock as possible but then here it is last week on the show right i'm talking about uh about modifying an engine uh when you you know on your tractor to a certain level so the thing is that it's like anything in life you have to find the balance and a fine line so you know what is what falls under the category of modification well if you put a high flow air filter in is that modifying it well in theory it is but if that's your everyday work vehicle then you put in high flow air filter and i don't really think that that's going to have any detriment on what you're doing whatsoever or the reliability of the vehicle so you have to you know you have to balance that out but there are two things that come into play here number one is that so many people with diesel pickup trucks even if they're not hot rodding it 
All right, so they're going to use it on their farm or their ranch, or they're using it for their business, or they're towing something, what it is a business, is that so many people like to uh, put a calibration in, because that's what it is, and put some simple bolts on, bolt-ons. And the, and the bad thing about that, from my perspective, is that you could very easily increase the horsepower on these engines 100 to 200 horsepower 150 pounds feet of torque very easily and very inexpensively so that gets to be like yeah you know it's it's almost like a siren song right calling the the sailors to crash on the rocks so you have to really be you really have to be um disciplined and say well you know if i am going to do this i'm only going to do it to a certain level and uh just like me i mean i love milk so if my wife puts a half a gallon of milk in front of me and the kitchen and the, and the table when i'm eating I'll, I'll drink the half a gallon so uh if she gives me one glass i'll drink the one glass i won't go up and get anymore so if it's in front of me i'm going to drink it so i'm got a milk cut here but anyway uh so you have to look at that and then you also have to look at regardless if you say well i don't care i don't use this for i don't use this for my farm i don't use this as a toy then you have to look at your tolerance for failures and for blowing it up and that's i mean for for, to, for your tolerance for issues and problems so you could say i don't care but you have no tolerance for anything then that's not the place for you to go you don't want to start the modifying it because if you're going to start to modify it exponentially the potential of having a problem is going to come up at a great rate versus keeping it stock so let's let's talk now first with deleting the emission package on a newer diesel pickup truck a tier four diesel pickup truck now when you when you when you delete the emission package for the most part and I guess there's different levels that you could do this, but for the most part, when people are deleting it, they're removing the DOC, which is the diesel oxidation catalyst, which controls HC and CO emissions, and is also is used as the heat source, the furnace, and I've spoken about this on the show, the furnace to create the regen process in the DPF. So they're all acronyms, right? <laughs> they drive you nuts today, but all acronyms so the diesel oxidation catalyst is always going to be on any tier four diesel is going to be the closest to the exhaust port or in this particular instance the closest to the discharge from the turbo right the closest to the engine and then in that pipeline the exhaust system the next thing is going to be the diesel particulate filter and then the last the last stop on the train before it goes out the tailpipe is going to be the selective catalytic reduction system the scr so in essence let's talk about these three very quickly and i've covered this before on the show but as a recap as a as a refresher and because of new listeners also is that the good the job of the diesel oxidation catalyst which is abbreviated doc is to control co carbon monoxide and a carbon monoxide and hc emissions and also to be used as a furnace to create a lot of heat for when the the next unit down the line the diesel particulate filter needs to go through a regen process now the diesel particulate filter doesn't control anything the diesel particulate filter and used to be years ago when they first started to come out with that technology and it was a technology that came from europe because they had strict emission standards it was called a soot trap soot s-o-o-t soot trap 
and the soot that you see coming from the black soot that you see coming from an exhaust of a diesel engine whether it's new or old are what call is what is called particulate matter and the particulate matter is what the epa and the, the the countries of the world are after that they don't want going into the air so what we would call soot years ago or black smoke is actually particulate matter the actual chemical definition of it when they i don't say chemical name but the official name of it so whereas i'm going to recap the diesel oxidation catalyst controls hc which is unburned fuel and co which is carbon monoxide hc is hydrocarbons co is carbon monoxide which is partially burned fuel which is which is the same thing that happens on a gasoline engine a catalytic converter because that's diesel oxidation catalysts on the gasoline they just call a catalytic converter all right, something that speeds up a chemical reaction without itself getting consumed. That's the definition of catalyst. That's that controls CO and HC, but the C, but we still have this soot, right? This particulate matter that doesn't do anything for it. It's like putting, you know, it's like putting a uh, a fungicide on a on a crop that doesn't have a fungus in it. So it's not going to do anything, right? So, so the thing is that the next the next piece in the the next piece in the exhaust is what is called, as I said, the diesel particulate filter, and that cleans nothing. It's a trap. Think of it like a trap in a sink. All right, it's a trap. All it does is catch and store the particulate matter, and then after that, so basically, you could think of it as a screen, as a filter, so like a mesh, like a going like on a, a, a like a, on a sprayer, right? You have a mesh screen. 50 microns and before it goes to the tip of the sprayer so so you so it's catching anything so the diesel particulate filter catches the the particulates the soot and then after that is the if it's equipped with that and as far as the pickup trucks are concerned they all are it's called an scr selective catalytic reduction so selective just like a selective herbicide it only affects broadleaves it doesn't affect grasses or vice versa so it's selective at what it what it what it controls and it's a catalyst because there's a chemical reaction taking place inside and it's a redu- reducer because it's reducing something it's not eliminating it reducing something so selective catalytic reduction or scr system and that is where the diesel exhaust fluid is being administered and the purpose of the scr system is to control an ox um, an emission called oxides of nitrogen and oxides of and how and it uh, and it's abbreviated nox it's not nitrous oxide it's oxides of nitrogen and i have a i have an article on my website under the learning series about this and the diesel exhaust fluid which is urea automotive grade very fine very pure grade urea like urea fertilizer and deionized water is mixed together and it's, i believe it's 32 and a half percent urea and it creates a chemical reaction inside the scr system it's sprayed in there and it's uh to what's called a doser and this chemical chemical reaction neutralizes the oxides of nitrogen emissions all right so now this is a whole package and whether it's a combine or whether it's a, a, a tractor semi or whether it's a diesel pickup truck it's this whole package there and now keep in mind that whenever you're cleaning cleaning something up in the exhaust all right so 
is that in, it's called an after treatment because it's after the combustion event. And that means simply you couldn't clean it up in a combustion event. Because if you were going to clean it up in a combustion event, you wouldn't need all the stuff afterwards. That's just like saying if you farm and you put down a pre emerge weed killer, let's say like Acuron or something, right? Resacor, all right, and you put it down there and then it controls the weeds, then you don't have to do anything afterwards. So if you have what they would call escapes, right weeds coming up then you may have to go in there with liberty glufosinate whatever 240 whatever it may be afterwards so same thing is happening in an engine if we could control it in the combustion chamber that's like the pre-emerge that that you put your pre down you don't have to worry about any weed escape so in essence the co the hc all right the the particulate matter and the oxides of nitrogen are all the escapes like you would say as a farmer it's an escape from this from through, that you had breaks breakthroughs right a lot of escapes in the field a lot of weeds so if we could clean it up in a combustion shape you wouldn't need all of this stuff but the fact of the matter is that these systems have gotten a bad reputation deservedly or undeservedly you decide all right but I'm going to go from the engineering side of it. Now, the thing is that what fools a lot of people and a lot of lay people, and I'm saying this respect, respectfully, is they go and they say, well, I know Joe Blow, and he had an XYZ brand diesel pickup truck, and he spent all this money, he had everything deleted. And when he had everything deleted, that the thing picked up miles per gallon and it picked up power and everything beautifully happy as a lock with it right no more emission controls he's happy as a lock and that i mean and you're talking to a guy that on gas engines years ago took off, off a lot of catalytic converters and, and gutted them right but the fact of the matter is that the when they delete you cannot on a diesel just take this stuff off like i did with a catalytic converter years ago and take an air chisel to it and gut it out and then put it back up in place so if they went for inspection the guy would put a mirror underneath it and see there's a catalyst there but it was just a hollow shell you can't do that all right because the system is integral with the calibration so in essence when you do a delete it needs to have some sort of recalibration of the engine controller some people call it a reflash all right which is a proper term also you need to put a different calibration in there so and remember the calibration is like the music on a cd you put the music on the cd you put this cd in there's john denver singing you put this cd in and there's olivia newton john and you put this one in here and there's some kind of rock and roll band or what have you so the calibration is what's running the engine so in essence why i'm telling you this is that <clears throat> the the gains i'm not gonna and i'm not gonna deny that somebody says well i got better fuel economy i got better this i got better that right with uh uh with this emission package off to tell you the truth his gains that person's gains that probably 90 percent of the gains that they realized were not from the removal of the emission components and i'll get into that in a minute it was the calibration was more aggressive so what these companies do and there's a lot of good companies out there but there's a lot of whatever we won't go there and the thing is that so they're giving you a calibration that's much more aggressive 
then so if you're a farmer you'd say well it's a higher plant population so you're giving me they give you a calibration it's much more aggressive and then also while they're in there shutting off the stuff that looks for the emission strategy packages looking for the doc that's looking for the the dpf that's going to do a regen cycle it's looking for the scr so what happens is that they shut that off but while they're in there they also give it a more aggressive calibration so the fact of the matter is that why would the emission control devices give reduce the performance of the engine as far as its maximum power is concerned possibly throttle response and then fuel economy when the aftermarket could take it and throw this in the garbage metaphorically right and then give the guy more power than general motors ford or cummings could right that doesn't make sense that doesn't compute well well first of all keep in mind that Anything that you put in the exhaust, in theory, is going to be a flow restriction. In theory, all right? But all, but what happens is that the further you move this potential flow restriction from the exhaust port of the cylinder head, the less impact it has. So if you were to have a very long exhaust system and you put the and you put all you put a restriction way at the end of the tailpipe, it's going to have much less of an impact on the way the engine runs than if you put it six inches from the out of the exhaust port in the cylinder head. And the reason being is it the the exhaust system will act like a plenum and act like storage so the exhaust will not back up that easily because it's got the whole length excuse me of the exhaust system to act like storage so any rule of thumb any engine care if it's a lawnmower the further you put the restriction away from the exhaust port the less less impact it has on, on on the engine's power so now keep in mind that the exhaust on an engine is intrinsically linked to how much air the engine ingests so if you just like a plant right i mean the plant is going to be able to it can only take so much fertility in right so it could either be lacking fertility have the right fertility or have too much fertility and not use it so the thing is that on an on an engine on any engine is that the flow capability of the exhaust needs to match the intake flow of the engine and it's not going to be one-to-one but if you are flowing more air into an engine then you have to have an exhaust that can let the 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 inert exhaust gases that are spent you can let allow that to uh to, to exit so the thing is now keep in mind that you could have a thousand horsepower diesel but if you're going down the road and it only takes 50 horsepower for to move the vehicle or the tractor or whatever it may be down the road, then that's the only amount of air you're pumping and the exhaust only has to exit the amount of air required to make 50 horsepower. So in essence, an exhaust restriction, saying I have a, all of these components in the exhaust stream, or even if they are slightly restrictive, they're not going to impact that engine going down the road at part throttle light load. So it would be like saying, well, I have a half-ton pickup truck and I have 200 pounds in the bed. 
well maybe you put 200 pounds in a bed and a half a ton pickup truck and you happen to t- put it over the springs and it ha- maybe takes a little bit of the dancing of the rear end off right a little bit of you know it rides a little bit nicer but ultimately that's nothing for that truck right so it's a half ton pickup truck you have 200 pounds in the bed that's absolutely nothing well same thing happens with this now the other thing following that same theme is that when the engine is at peak power peak torque into peak horsepower and it's turbocharged so it has a fan moving more air into it to increase the volumetric efficiency that is when the highest what we would call throughput of air is in the engine actually it's at at peak torque throughput of air in the engine and that exhaust system from the factory i don't care whether it's ford whether it's ram whether it's general motors is designed to offer minimal amount of restriction at peak flow peak throughput of the engine now would it would it have a more restriction than possibly an open pipe of i would say yes it does i'm not going to deny that all right but the fact of the matter is that the thing that comes into play is that no engineer no engine designer wants to have his exhaust system kill his engine so maybe i'm going to throw a number out of thin air so maybe whatever you have this power stroke you have this cummins you have this duramax and at full boogie at peak torque so it's 400 horsepower engine from the factory right that peak torque that airflow that movement of air through the engine that throughput and that then in turn that exhaust the amount of exhaust is going to flow maybe you'll have a five horsepower six horsepower reduction because of the, just the monolith in there what have you it's not killing that and and probably right below peak horsepower and peak torque that exhaust system is not a restriction whatsoever and i'm saying it was rest- as it left the factory I'm not saying you know 100 200,000 miles later and it's clogged up and you ran over a rock in the field and you crushed half the pipe i'm saying as designed as left the factory so when we look at that now so the idea that the exhaust system on a factory pickup truck diesel pickup truck is restrictive it could be on a case-by-case basis you'd have to talk to the development engineer and say oh man we really wanted a three and a quarter inch pipe but we only put a three inch pipe in but you're not giving away 20 30 40 50 60 horsepower you're not if you're saying well maybe if we had a little bit better pipe we put a mandrel bend here we pick up three horsepower but then again i'm repeating it that's only at maximum air throughput in the engine that's not going down the road all right or idling so that's when it's on full boogie all right so it's so that fallacy just became debunked but so now when you so when you take this stuff off which they call you know uh, which they, they, they slang the colloquials you know uh, that they deleted the diesel it's all deleted we took the egr off we took everything off we threw it in the garbage then they put this new calibration in so this new calibration right is telling it that this stuff is not there it's not looking for it's not going into limpo modes now also with those calibrations with this new calibration that shut off basically all the things that it was looking for because you threw the whole exhaust system in the garbage and all the after treatments is that now that calibration is more aggressive with the fueling and with the boost because it's a turbocharged engine so the thing basically in essence you may say well you're full of it hot rod following because i put an xyz calibration in my pickup truck and it doesn't run any more boost than it did when it was stock 
All right. Well, that may very well be the case with the calibration that you bought, but I guarantee you that at different throttle transients, it's running one or two or three or four pounds more boost than it did before. But keep in mind that boost is not the only thing. Boost is airflow. So it's a combination of boost that they're getting power from in in the amount of fuel, which would be the injection, the, the, the injector, injector opening time, and the timing of the injection event. So the timing of an injection event is paramount to a diesel engine, where on a gasoline engine, it's not, it's, you're just fueling it and then you're sending the spark. Keep in mind that with a diesel, that you're igniting that fuel through the, through the, the heat in the combustion chamber that is going to be generated by the, the compression of the air molecules, and then you're still, excuse me, hit the, hit the microphone, still fueling it. So it's when when that injection phase is starting. So if you say, well, I have two milliseconds, that's the injector opening time, but I'm starting at 10 degrees of crankshaft rotation sooner and keeping it eight degrees longer, well, that's where you're getting your power from. So it would be like akin to advancing the timing on a gasoline engine. It's not one-to-one, but it's it's the closest thing I could say over a podcast So to give you a, a mental picture of it. So in essence, what these calibrations are doing is that and the proper calibration would play more with the injector timing than the actual pulse width. So it's a combination of pulse width, which is opening time, and then it's a combination of the timing of when this when the injector is going to start to administer fuel, and then when it's going to shut off in crankshaft rotation and the boost. So now, if you're saying to me, "Well, hot rod," you're fighting me on this, right? Say, "Well, okay, fine. I'm buying the thing about the exhaust system not being a real flow restriction." as but i'm going to add to it but as the engine was calibrated from the factory and that boost level and that amount of airflow and i buy that about the injection timing so i that makes sense you're telling me right if i could hear you but then why doesn't the factory do that well why doesn't the factory well the factory did it before before the aftermarket did right i mean i when you're when you're an engine guy and you're a development guy i mean what you what you have in that dino cell and what goes into production is like apples and oranges okay the camshaft they have the boost level it's like apples and oranges so the thing is that uh because they have to meet an emission standard and, you know, when you throw the word emissions out there, people are like, ah, just throw it in the garbage. But that's a whole science of the combustion event. Now, here, whether it's gasoline or diesel, it's the whole science of the combustion event. And the thing is that that you have to, you meaning the, the car company, the manufacturer, the engine man, I don't care what this is. I mean, when you get into farm equipment, the standards are much more lax than it is for a road vehicle, like a pickup truck. But anyway, is that you will find, if you did this, saying it respectfully, is is that the engine will respond in a non in a, in a chaotic fashion. And what I mean by a chaotic fashion is that 
it's like trying to predict where lightning strikes. Well, you could look at that and say, well, that you know that tree is the highest, and there's a big metal rod on it, and that's probably where the lightning's going to come. And you're probably more or less correct. But you know, I wouldn't stand over there in a puddle of water with a, with a small little uh, six foot rod in my hand either. So the the thing is that that the com- that the dynamics of combustion in any engine and specific well gasoline or but specifically a diesel engine have so so many degrees of freedom so many areas that they could be changing and influenced that it's a lot like growing a crop and so you're going to say growing a crop what does that have to do with combustion in a diesel engine well it does because you, you know when you're a farmer and you're looking at you yeah you could do tissue analysis you could do sap analysis you could do pre-sidrus nitrogen test you could do all of these tests you know, which is great and i believe in them right and you know, a soil test what have you but when the you usually end up reverse engineering what happened to the crop why it didn't yield and lots of times when it does yield you really don't know why it yielded you say well i guess i'd like that boron but and that's what we would go to a dyno we'd say we'd make a change and go it didn't like it well man it really liked it let's try some more so the thing is that what will happen is that the dynamics the way a cylinder fills and empties the, the temperature combustion event everything in there is changing almost on every stroke to a certain extent so each combustion event and the whole idea is to try to get that uniform just like you'd want to look at it, have a uniform stand of your crop corn in the field so you'd love to have if you're a grain farmer right and you're harvesting corn to have that 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 uh, <clears throat> that uh what do you call it yield monitor penned at 500 across the whole field 500 500 500 500 right well 500 bushels per acre but even a high yield farmer and a farmer in a competition plot knows that if you go across the field that this part is 500 this part is 497 this part is 472 this part is 390 this part is 515 so the thing is that and that's why in engineering you talk about area under the curve versus the peaks so anyway so what happens is that to to try to put some closure to this and make sense for you is that the calibration for emissions so it passes the emission test and specifically with oxides of nitrogen all right and anybody who has a, had a volkswagen diesel all right and they knew that the volkswagen was sending <laughs> the, the calibration that that they sent to the epa to test was not what they were sending the cars out with right and and then they got caught and they had to call them all back and they had to give the people money back and, and they lost 10 miles per gallon all right i had a couple people come to the farm stand they had the uh, i think jettas tdi jettas and they had to do the recal on it and they lost 10 miles per gallon and a lot of power well i shouldn't say it wasn't as responsive well well obviously volkswagen had the calibration to make it run better right because that's what they shipped them out with, but that's what they, so they cheated all right and they cheated on that so the thing is that so what's happening is that the people who modify these pickup trucks are actually giving the credit to the wrong thing they're giving a black eye to the emission strategy program and then they're giving and not realizing that that that's really not the black eye and they it, it, that the system is fine for the 
power level, because remember, an engine is an air pump, so the throughput of the power level that goes that's going into that engine as it, as it was designed from the factory, and they're taking that off, and they're saying that their power gain that they got and the fuel economy gain that they got was from throwing all the emission stuff out, where really it was a dirty calibration. So it was a calibration that ran more boost, so it ran more boost. It changed the injector timing, which all changed the emissions coming out of the tailpipe, all right, coming out of the exhaust port of the cylinder. But they're saying, no, 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 we got all of this power and fuel economy because we took that stuff off the exhaust system and threw it in the garbage. But it really came from the calibration. So the calibration and the, the example with the Volkswagen, with the TDIs, is probably a textbook example of it. So now, so now the thing basically is, is that to answer these three gentlemen's questions, which was Sam's, George, and Phil, all right, I'm going to bring something into the, something else into it. Now, keep in mind that, and if you don't believe me, you could do an internet search and look for it is that if you want to modify your pickup truck engine then to diesel engine to make more power go for it baby i i put the qualifications on in the beginning what do you use the vehicle for how much tolerance do you have go from you could go for it god bless you it's your vehicle all right but keep in mind that it is best to it is best to keep to buy a program or a or a kit that's has an what they call an eo number an executive order number means it's emission compliant will it be as a it's not going to be emission compliant if you throw the, the dpf the scr and everything away so if once you start to throw all that stuff away it's no longer emission compliant but the point that i'm getting at and why i'm saying do an internet search is that the epa is able to track this and at this particular point, they're not coming after some farmer in Iowa who had a delete done on his truck, all right, or put a calibration in his truck or what have you and did a delete on it. They're coming because they're coming, they're coming after the guy who sold it to you and or did it. Now, from and this is only my opinion it's only my opinion, is that it's only going to be a matter of time where they will, once they catch that fish, that they're going to start to come after the other people who are the owner of the vehicle. Now you might say, well, this is America, and I could do what I want to my vehicle, and I agree with you a thousand percent, but also, you know, hey, whatever you feel about covid or the shot or the vaccine passport or wearing a mask i'm not going to give you my opinion on it all right but i think you know is that you know uh, you work you go someplace i get on a plane i gotta wear a mask whether i agree with it or not so is it overreached by the federal government yes and uh are they coming after the end user of the truck right now no Will they possibly come after the end user of the truck? Yes. All right. And you have to remember that all they have to do is put this in on the state level. And the thing is that if they start to now, you know, in most, almost my whole audience is in a remote, I don't want to say remote, but rural area where there's no emission testing. All right. So the thing basically is, is that, but if you, if, if you, if your state 
puts in emission testing or the federal government puts in something through the EPA and says we have to do emission testing regardless of whether you're on a, a, a thousand, you know, 500 miles from a major metropolitan area in Montana, then you could get caught. Are you going to get caught tomorrow? No, but you could get caught. But also keep in mind that when you do, if the vehicle is still under warranty, when even if you put a reflash in it, if it doesn't have an emissions legal reflash, then it puts a fingerprint in the ECU and it could all and the manufacturer will void your warranty for that vehicle. So let's let's put closure to this and make sense to it so I could answer these people's questions. Okay. Can the, does the engine in your diesel pickup truck have the potential to run much stronger than it does, make more power? all right and probably be more fuel efficient yes without denying it can that be accomplished through a calibration yes it can be accomplished through a calibration while also retaining the the after treatment in the exhaust if you take the after treatment off the exhaust get rid of all of that throw it in the bring it to the to the junkyard right and put the necessary calibration in so it doesn't look at that will it make even more power yes it will will it be will it be dirty and i don't mean dirty where you're saying look it's rolling coal will it be dirty yes all right will it be illegal in, in the eyes of the federal government yes all right if you did it yourself that's still a little bit of a gray area the shop that did it for you will be on and these guys like i said do an internet search these there's little small little guys shops that are do working on these and the epa's coming after them and this they're fighting them two hundred thousand dollars all right is it possible that if you wanted to sell that truck afterwards and it's all deleted that in that it may be an issue that you can't sell it right now it is not an issue that i know of all right it's not an issue maybe in california it is but in most of the states it's not an issue so that's where it's at now keep in mind also that you know that's drag racer syndrome so you have to make that decision it's gonna run better <laughs> but the, the calibration the, but the guy from the aftermarket company is not smarter than ford general motors or cummins i'll tell you that now keep in mind also and this i will tell you is that you know an engine it's too easy to make a ton of power with these engines and then you know just like if you say well if, if you make if you say well i want to have 250 bushel corn then you could do the math and say well i need so much nitrogen so much boron i need so much so much potassium all right uh, or what have you all right now you want to make 300 bushels well, i need more nitrogen and more this and need the and, and then i, I want to make 400 bushels so you keep so your demand your nutrient demand goes up well keep in mind is that whenever a manufacturer whether it's a farm tractor whether it's a car whether it's a truck whether it's irrigation pump whatever that they all figure that you are you the owner are going to do something you're not supposed to do with it right i mean that's they, i mean so there's always a cushion built in it so if you look and you say like my little ford ranger it's an old ranger 2002 not a new one so my little ford ranger they you know it says this i could uh, i think it's got the 1600 pound whatever payload package 1400 i don't even know it's whatever it's a short bed ranger right i put 2200 pounds in that bad boy all the time all right yeah so the thing basically is is that does ford know that they're rating it i mean a half ton pickup truck right 
that don't just carry a thousand pounds. I mean, I'll put four or five thousand pounds. Well, I'm at five, four thousand pounds in a half ton pickup truck of my fertilizer totes and bring it back. You don't want to hear that Ford, Chevy, or Ram. So, but the thing is that, so they know you're going to overload it. So the thing basically is, is that if that engine is if, if the internal component, talking about emissions now, we're not talking about air throughput. So if that bearing material, that crankshaft, that whatever is 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 always going to be designed to take more power than they're sending it out the door with. So if it's a you know if it's a a, a case combine with 600 horsepower, that engine could probably make 700 and hold 700 all day long, all right? Can it hold 1,000 all day long? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know, all right? The thing is that, but there's always a cushion there. So the caveat that I'm saying to you is that if you are gonna do this, don't go with the killer calibration. Go with what they call the towing calibration or what have you, so that's giving you more power, it's giving you, it's giving you better throttle response, and the thing is that it's well within the cushion of the bearing material, the bearing area. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. They could look at it and say, well, you know, why does a cat diesel or a Detroit or a big Cummins? I mean, like not a one in a Dodge pickup truck, not a B series, but you know, in a semi or a, or an engine in a combine. Why are the bearings so big? Why is the bearing area so big? Because what they're basically doing is that it's cylinder pressure, and they're taking that cylinder pressure and spreading it over a over a larger area so that's like you putting a track machine track on a machine or a flotation tire so if you have an engine so let's say arguably you have an engine and you're making 800 horsepower from it and it's got this bearing journal because it was only designed for 400 horsepower and you got this other engine that's making 800 horsepower but it's designed for 800 horsepower everything is going to be bigger wider more substantial all right so that is going to be because they're taking the power and they're spreading that pressure off over a larger a larger area now the thing is that now in engineering you have the technical the, the and you have the theoretical the theory and you have the empirical the empirical is the real world data that you find right so you say hey and that's why as an engineer and even as a farmer you got to go you got to balance with what the agronomist says and you got to try stuff like henry ford just say let's try it and see what happens right hey i'm hitting this thing with more boron it really liked it but the textbook tells me it's not supposed to like it but i liked it right so the textbook is wrong because the guy who wrote the textbook didn't want to experiment so which is very very common and that's common with engineering also so for instance i spoke about my friend bobby ida in the beginning of the show today years ago he they he rob and he built a lot of his son they built a lot of i'm friendly with both of them they're both my friends but uh they built a number of vehicles for the sema show in las vegas for ford motor company they built this one truck it's called the frightening i spoke about it before and they ford gave him a a 5.4 liter four valve head motor out of a crash test navigator to build this truck even though the f-150 didn't have that you could look it up on the internet do Ida automotive frightening f-150 frightening it was on all the magazines but bobby twin turbocharged it right and this 5.4 liter lincoln block all he did was change the cams in it he put the cams from the supercharged gt4 gt40 car in it but anyway but this thing has got like a zillion dyno runs on it and with the stock crankshaft and i would have thought the crankshaft would be wiggling around wiping the bearings out 
and it does it did not i mean it's i guarantee it's got a thousand dino runs on it and this bad boy is making 1400 13 1400 the tire which would be 20 percent more at the crank and that ford crank that lincoln crank that thing you take the oil pan off it the bearings look they never ran all right all right so that's fine that's empirical we know that crank could take it you take a guy with a back 20 years ago with the last generation toyota supra you try to make power with those things they make a ton of power but they're popcorn machines they blow right the hell up all right so now the fact of the matter is so that's where i said the empirical you may find out that an xyz engine may be able to take 150 more horsepower and it loves it it's fine it's beautiful it's humming along it doesn't care and, and brand abc instead of xyz you put more than 100 more horsepower in a calibration and you're finding the weak link real fast on it so that is the empirical but if you go so in essence let's say bring closure to this today all right for these three gentlemen is the emission package that's the after treatment killing your power and your fuel economy no is the calibration from the factory that allows that emission package to work is the well, let me put back up is the so it's not killing your power and economy because it is not a flow restriction it's a weight restriction that stuff weighs but it's not but in a nine thousand pound pickup truck it's like you know you know taking uh, three people off the queen mary it's not gonna make any difference so all right so that's that okay the thing basically is that if you were to turn just run more boost and make more power with that same after treatment in the exhaust will it start to be a, a restriction yes it would be all right so restriction meaning well if the if the if mathematically you moved enough air more air to make 50 more horsepower you only ended up with 35 because they got to be a bit of a restriction just like saying with a crop or nutrition program all right yes the thing is that if you go and you delete everything on there and have everything deleted and put the calibration in for the delete and it runs so much better meaning it makes more power gets better fuel economy is that valid yes but but it wasn't it wasn't taking the emission controls off it was having a non-emission compliant calibration in there and run and make and and changing the injector timing and the boost levels where the power came from all right so now you know the, the thing before i get ready to close here the thing is that keep in mind that as convoluted as this may sound sometimes there's and you know it's, it's like base saturation on the soil test with with nutrient tie-up sometimes on some engines gasoline or diesel is that you would tend to think that the most efficient calibration would be the one that gets the best fuel economy but sometimes you may have better fuel economy especially when you're looking for oxide at oxides of nitrogen which is the zeldovich equation which is pressure heat and time residence time or exposure time that you run it too lean you make 10 more horsepower 15 more horsepower but your oxides of nitrogen go up and that's basically what happened with volkswagen with the tdi they put a calibration in there that got the best fuel economy would you attend well it's got the best fuel economy it's got to be the cleanest it was not clean for the oxides of nitrogen so this is all coming together as a balancing act and so my words to these three gentlemen and all of you in the audience because i'm the hot rod farmer 
all right the thing is that am i going to say don't modify your diesel pickup truck to make more power i'm not going to tell you not to what i'm going to tell you what i'm going to what i'm going to tell you to do is be very conservative with it you don't want to find out whether that crank could take 300 more horsepower and the other brands crank can't all right so you don't want to find that out so we found that out my you know bobby and i found that out with the lincoln navigator motor just because we're old drag racers well you know if it blows up it blows up we'll fix it we found that we got too much but it never blew up so but you don't want to do that and then the other thing keep in mind is that you always best to use an emission compliant calibration which would mean that you'd have to keep the exhaust components intact keep in mind also that right now there is no liability to you where the epa is going to knock on your door all right and say well you changed the calibration you you did it you did a delete on this engine because you bought a delete calibration no the shop that is doing it is going to have all the liability but who knows next week next month whatever they may come after you also and and i don't think that the government would ever come after you and look for money like they would for a shop from a shop from a business but they may put something on it you can't drive the car i mean so drive the truck so i don't know that's not that didn't happen yet so i don't want to spook you but when all is said and done you have to make that decision and all i want to do is give make you to be an educated consumer that it it's not this you know utopia thing where you just throw everything out and plug it in and go like hell and make a lot of power and, and beautiful gorgeous yeah it's there but there's a flip side to it and you only you can decide whether that flip side that flip side of the things i discuss on today's show is worth it to you if it's worth it to you and you don't care god bless you go for it all right and if it's not but you know and, and look at the use of the vehicle if you're using this vehicle for your farm and what have you and you want to do it put a towing calibration in it. it'll pick up 40 50 horsepower about 60 70 pounds feet of torque it'll be emission legal by one with the eo certification and be done with it the warranty is not going to be voided nothing's going to happen and you got a little bit of a tickle there you got a little bit of like advancing the timing years ago when putting the changing the jets in the carburetor so if you have any questions any concerns with this no toolbox test i want to thank once again for, for sam chilton george summers and phil jacobs for bringing those questions forward about their pickup trucks and know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america even without all of that stuff i went long on the show have a blessed day take care thank you bye-bye